right, everyone. Well, we made it. Uh, we're at the end of 2022. Uh, if you've been paying attention at all, that's actually a feat. Um, <laughs> been quite quite an interesting year. One thing we implemented this year was a, a new number to shoot us some texts and get some info. Uh, would love to hear just what everybody thinks, uh, you know, how it's gone this year. How, give us uh, your suggestions. Uh, we're going to be drinking lots of champagne, so we'll be able to take it. But that phone number again, uh, 602-704-5574. We'd love to hear from you. But in this episode here, Justin, let's let's uh, do a little year-end wrap, uh, see if we can package everything that happened in 2022 uh, into this, uh, into a nice tight bow top, here. Top 20 list or something yeah, like sure, that? Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Everybody, you know, started off the year, I thought, was doing some research for this. I thought that was interesting. I'm looking at some of the analysts, all the big wirehouses and their predictions for the year. It was, uh, it was pretty striking. I mean, even the great Goldman Sachs had the S&P at like 5,100. So they missed just a little <laughs> just bit. A little. Uh, but I think there were like, like 20 big Wall Street firms with their predictions at the beginning of the year. And uh, they didn't, not a single one of them even yeah. came close. So one, one of these days, I'm going to build a bot that that captures all those predictions and actually publicizes them and then measures them against actual results. I, that, that will be my contribution to society one there day. There you go. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, we're kind of saying that tongue in cheek, obviously, uh, stock market wise, uh, an emotional year. I think a lot of people say a difficult year. I, I would rather put it as emotional because I think this was a year that if you're a long-term investor, these are the years that ultimately... Uh, kind of pay off in some ways and it's why you get rewarded as an investor. Uh, but, you know, why don't you run through maybe some of the the things that stuck out for you this year? You know, what moved markets? Uh, what were some of the big headlines, all that type of stuff? From a market perspective, there were arguably a lot of things that um, were big market movers. We had the midterm elections and I'm not going to go in, in, in actual um sequential order here, but just kind of rattling them off. Midterm elections, right? Typically, there's always some emotions to your point leading up to that. I think we saw some of that. Uh, all sorts of interesting things around crypto, big implosion kind of towards towards the end of the year here. Uh, rough market for crypto specifically as well. Uh, inflation was a big topic. Alongside inflation, we had interest rates rising on as one at one of the fastest paces on record. The, let's not forget the unfortunate, still ongoing war in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, really started off pretty early in the year. Then there was some, you know, more of the kind of interesting but potentially less relevant from a market standpoint uh, news items. Right, Elon buying Twitter that <laughs> certainly caught plenty of headlines. And, sure. and as we know, Elon Musk loves to be in the headlines. So maybe that was part of his his calculus to drag that out as long as possible on the golf side, on the sports side. Pretty cool year. Interesting to see how some of what's happening within the sports world from a business standpoint will unfold. Live in the PGA, still, still kind of going at each other's throats to an extent. The big question, which is still pretty much unanswered, I think a lot of what I'm already talking about is somewhat been answered. We don't know for sure if inflation is, is cooling. It seems like it is, but the big question around, are we in a recession or not? Or did we have a recession last year? I mean, the typical definition of two quarters of negative GDP, we've, we had that. I think technically last year, but the final arbiter, the the National Bureau of Economic Research has not officially said a recession. So yeah, lots of lots of items and lots of um, emotion as a result of those items, and obviously that all resulted into a, a, a more difficult year, like you said, in the markets. 
I think it's an interesting thing that the recession piece, because uh, it's a question we talk about a lot with clients and I'm sure clients that are listening, it's a, it's top of mind for you guys, but you mentioned that the, you know, the MBER has not declared a recession. And I know we've talked about this on previous episodes, but you know, when it comes to a recession specifically, you know, how much are you worried about that? in 2023 when you think about our client portfolios and maybe explain a little bit to to people listening as we're working through client portfolios as we look at the end of the year we look at the year ahead are we making adjustments like what the heck are we doing are we just sitting on our hands you know how does a a potential recession or uh the impact of a recession kind of play out on portfolios with respect to portfolios very little we talked about it i think a couple episodes back a couple months back Markets and, and portfolios as a result of that are forward looking. A recession, especially once we get an official call that mm. we were in a recession, that's backward looking. And so right. kind of by definition, you're, you're reacting to something that's already happened in the past. And so when, when and if we get an official call, on that, it, it will change our approach very, very, very little. Maybe the question to, to, to answer myself too is how, you know, are we predicting whether or not there's a recession in 2023? I think, and I hope most of our clients listening to this and most of the listeners who are listening to this know that that's just not a, a game we play. It's a mm-hmm. very, 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 very difficult game to play. It's not proven as one to add value over the long term. And so we just don't do it. it it's interesting to, to discuss it and, and, talk about the economy, talk about the potential impacts on the market, but then actually executing on that based on the, the, the weak statistics or the weak evidence is just not something we're, we're willing to do. Because at the end of the day, that actually puts you, our client, portfolios at risk if we are being uh, kind of, let's say, use the term emotional again in, in our, in our um, portfolio management techniques. That's deviating away from evidence, uh, in our opinion. So we, d- we just don't play that game. But what, what we do is re- we rely on that evidence. We, we control what we can control. We talk about tax loss harvesting. This year was a phenomenal year for tax loss harvesting because it wasn't a great year in the markets, but it, it gave us opportunities to actually add value and create value in times um, that, you know, from a headline perspective, it wasn't a great year necessarily, and but there still are ways in which we can add value through tax loss harvesting. So that's selling an asset that, that has depreciated and buying something very similar. So exposures maintained, but you get to, you get to take advantage of that from a tax perspective. It doesn't necessarily show up in your rate of return, but your one net worth, your one tax rate really, really benefits from simple things like that. Um, and that, those are the item, the items and areas we focus on and we'll continue to focus on in 2023. Hopefully we don't have as many opportunities <laughs> next year, but we just don't know that. Yeah. We never know when they're going to come, but you know, having our, our finger on the pulse, I think so many people only focus on that at the end of the year. And, um, it's unfortunately part of our industry, but you know, if you're you're focused on it throughout the entire year, you can really create value for clients in that way. The other thing you mentioned was interest rates. I mean, this has been such a big, uh, a big issue. I think certainly in the financial world, how it does impact investments and, you know, depending on how you treat certain investments, yeah. specifically bonds, it might have really upended your world. Thankfully for our clients, the way that we use bond allocations in a very targeted way to meet priorities has much less of an effect, which is great. But we went through probably, you know, 
probably the, the greatest interest rate increasing cycle, certainly that I, I can recall. Um, I'd seen the stat that nearly every central bank uh, hiked rates over two and a half percent, which is pretty remarkable over the course of a year. And then the consumer at the end of the day, clients also felt this in their mortgage rates. You know, if anybody bought a house in the last, you know, six months or so, they certainly saw higher rates on their yeah. mortgages, which impact payments, et cetera. Uh, we're starting to see the fallout in the housing market. So maybe just hit on really quick, you know, interest rates. What kind of impact does that have on the overall financial structure for clients? And then when we back it all the way down to the bond allocation, how we treat that? Yeah. So, uh- how it impacts the overall financial structure of clients, a rising interest rate actually doesn't impact the the existing financial structure. I'm talking about if, if we've already had a client allocated, it doesn't impact it all that much because you alluded to how we build portfolios. In the short term, the way we build portfolios is to take short-term priorities, short-term goals, short-term spending needs, Mm -hmm. however you want to think about it, whichever way makes the most sense to you. And then match those with a bond or a fixed income instrument that lines up with that from a maturity or length of time standpoint really, really well. So let's say you need to make a tax payment in April of next year. Guess what? We're going to buy a treasury or a municipal bond that matures basically when you need to make that payment. There's going to be some movement between now and April when you need to make that payment or or October, maybe you're making payment then. But guess what? When that bond matures, you're going to get your par value and you know, you kind of, you know, unless there's a huge default on in the U S government or a state government, you know what you're going to get. And so that's what you're alluding to with when you said the way we build portfolios, the price movement of a bond doesn't matter as much. That's how to think about the impact of interest rates on existing positions. There might be some price movement, but the way in which we match assets and liabilities really, really um, minimizes, I don't want to say eliminates, but minimizes substantially risk to meeting your priorities. From a, from a more long-term standpoint, I mean, this year, interest rates are arguably one of the main reasons why the markets are down. There's other reasons, the war in Ukraine. We could, there's probably a laundry list that we could go down, but interest right. rates and the rising of them were main reason. And the simple way of thinking about it is that companies' cost of capital has gone up. Over the long term, that doesn't change our expectation of equity rates of return. And so again, like I alluded to with the recession conversation, we don't really change too much with respect to how we're, we're managing equity portfolios, but it does give us opportunities to take advantage, tax loss harvesting, maybe we do some opportunistic rebalancing within equities. The great benefit is if you're in a position to contribute in a market environment like this, guess what? You're buying at lower prices than they were 12 months ago or 18 months ago. And that typically is a great thing for, I think you mentioned it at the outset, long-term investors, long-term wealth creation is a, this now is it's always a great time to be an investor, but now or now is a, is, is most definitely because of what interest rates have done to equities. It's not guaranteed that the the Fed continuing to raise rates, which they are likely to do, will continue to put downward pressure on equities. We've been kind of trading in this range recently where the market's going sideways. I mean, recently we're, we're not ending the year with a bang for sure and a bang in the other, uh, other right. direction. But at some point in time, the market, like I said, is forward looking it. And you've seen that in certain action when, when the Fed has said, okay, wait, we're, we're, 
taking our foot off the gas a little bit and the market rallies. But then the next day something comes out and they're like, oh, well, wait a second. Maybe the Fed is going to continue to increase interest rates more and for longer, et cetera. Like we're in this period where there's continued uncertainty. It's not just outright increases in rates going forward. But who wins out? We don't know. It, it matters really until it doesn't almost in a, in a sense. Right. No, I think that's that's fantastic. It almost kind of brings us as we start to think about some of the key, you know, key takeaways from from the year, quite frankly, is, you know, one of those is don't, you know, don't really let yourself get caught up in that yeah, crisis I of the day. That. Right. Don't get derailed uh, by a war in Ukraine. I mean, horrible horrible for the world, et cetera. But when you start to think about your individual portfolio, you know, it really comes back to the financial structure. And unfortunately, we've had lots of crises like this over the years. Um, and if you're a long-term investor with the right financial structure, you're going to work yourself totally. through these these types of events. You know, certainly taking a look at your bond allocations is another key takeaway. Are you using bonds in the way that they should be used? Uh, we've very feel very strongly about this and for clients uh, just really understanding that the way that we utilize bonds and these future interest rate moves we really really try to immunize you against this so the price movement of of those bonds and the movement of interest rates don't affect too much you know the the ability for you to accomplish your priorities so that's you know that's another big big part of it global diversification i think this is just ultimately a vote back for financial structure we've hit it over i think we we should go back and see i bet we've we've hit on financial structure Most commonly used term on the in podcast. every episode but at the end of the day right there's a lot that's happening there are there are a lot of headlines out there uh we continue to see covid stuff in china unroll we we've got we've mentioned the the war in ukraine we've got potentially more interest rising interest rates etc you know really spreading your money out over the world we know statistically is the best way to go about investing and then the last one i think a, a good thing to to maybe get towards the end on is that you know markets do incorporate investor ex expectations they are very efficient these markets right and they're they're a voting machine for how people think about the future um and so you know whether the the next interest rate expectation is there those things get priced in super well and so it's just really hard to to predict those markets so with that i'm going to ask you 2023 i know we can't predict them but what do you what are you predicting so oh man uh on which front uh, no <laughs> where the market will be sure no. why not pick, uh, let's, take let's your let's pick go. i'll, so I'll so let you do here's go a fun you're fact way back when when i was when i was just getting into the industry i was going through one of the courses for all the licenses we had to do and the instructor actually had us predict the Dow at the end of the class and I got it to the point. Nice. So, hey, I, maybe maybe I missed my calling and I should be, uh, you know, a, a forecaster and look into my crystal ball, but yeah, I won't play that you game. You won't play that game. Well, tongue in cheek, but I will leave maybe us with this is, you know, I was we were taking a look at some of the data again and looking at after down years uh, in the S&P 500, it was almost split, even, even Stephen, 50, 50, uh, half the year or in the years that the, it was down, the return in the following year was about 9.8% annualized. And in years that the market was up the following year, it was about nine, I think it was like 9.6%. So pretty much. 
Past performance yeah, doesn't past care. Past performance <laughs> doesn't really care what happened in the year before, uh, future performance. So anyways, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Hopefully everybody's uh, enjoyed the updates throughout the, throughout the year. Hopefully you learned a little bit more about how we approach your financial structure, how we invest your money uh, for those clients listening. We appreciate you guys. Uh, we appreciate your attention and dialing into this, um, you know, hopefully in the car on the bike, wherever you're at. And we'd love to hear from you, as you know. So 602-704-5574. And until next time, until next year, own your wealth, make an impact, and always be a pro. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.